everybody, I'm Adam Hergenrother. This is Business Meets Spirituality. We believe in personal growth through business success. I am joined by my chief staff, Hallie Warner. Hallie, how are you today? I'm great, how are you? I'm <laughs> doing awesome, thanks. Hey, so um, really excited about today's episode. We are gonna be jumping into principles and manifestos. Basically, the, if you will, the orientations of your life. But how did we get on this little segue? Oh, well, I mean, we're both fans of Ray Dalio. So I, whenever I think of principles, I immediately go to him. But um, I was doing some research a couple of months ago, maybe on uh, for our new book that mm-hmm. we don't know what the title is yet, but it's going to be about how leaders and their force multipliers make uh, decisions together to lead organizations. Um, it also coincides with our new technology tool that we're working on called Force Multiplier X. So as I was doing all this research, I realized that some, you know, the only way you make really great decisions is if you understand at the very like fundamental level, what principles you are making decisions from. Yeah. So we were doing all this research and I found the rate, the, um, we already had, uh, read, uh, principles, life and work by Ray Dalio, but there was a new like picture book that he had that was so kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. And so I was reading the, um, the principles in the back of that, shared that with you. And then it started a whole conversation around principles and what are your, and I really wanted to know what your principles were too, because we want to include those in the book, of course. Then it got me thinking about what are mine. And I realized while I might have them, I actually, I don't have them written down anywhere. Yeah. And that's definitely something I need and want to do. Yeah. You know, I thought it was interesting because when we shared ours, we had a lot of our folks in our organization start sharing theirs and at least getting a couple of them down. We're going to share mm-hmm. a couple different examples of a manifesto and defining what principles are. But one thing I will say about Ray Dalio, I happened to see him on uh, the on the live news last Saturday oh. and he was in a bathrobe and I oh. loved it. Like it was like literally like, like a smoking jacket no, no, or no. like a, no, like a full on like bathrobe. He had like a shirt, like a t-shirt on and he had a bathrobe on and he yeah. was live on like CBS. Which I loved. My <laughs> friend texted me and he's like, dude, when you're a TM ninja and you're a self-made billionaire who doesn't care, you wear a bathrobe live on TV. Yeah. <laughs> it was just hilarious. Awesome. Uh, it was, it was, it was awesome. But I just loved, I just love Ray because he is somebody who it has, you know, a tremendous amount of money, right? But he also is very clear that money is just money. And he still lives in the, basically the same house that he bought in the 70s. He gives a lot of it away. He was big into transcendental meditation, which he credits meditation, transcendental meditation specifically into the kind of the number one uh, thing that he did to give him success. And remember, transcendental meditation in itself um, doesn't give you the ability to achieve what it does is it unlocks clarity and that's how he used to describe that is like the clarity that i came that's why people when they're going through their spiritual path they're like well if i let go of something right here if i let go of the money we're going to make this episode about that but if we let go of that like where am i to go and his whole thing was like hey you just get you don't get stupid you actually get very clear mm. and that's what principles and manifestos are are very you're clear about how to make decisions Mm-hmm. Because you're just, they're, they're, you're already doing this. I just think putting them down on paper. So, you know, when you steer away from them yes, or they're when gu- they're guys, exactly. Yeah. They're kind of these orientational pieces that you have in your life. And I think that's what the clarity that comes from uh, having principles manifesto. So how well, and d- sharing them with like Ray Dalio does, right? He yes. shares them very publicly, um, which therefore attracts different people to his organization. Um, helps people understand how he is making decisions. Because yeah. I think a lot of times when we're, we actually were talking about this, a lot of times um, people see leaders, the 
um, make decisions and they only see the outcome mm-hmm. of the decision yes. rather than the entire process. So someone may or may not like the outcome of the decision, but they didn't see the entire process of the what happened during the decision making. And it could have been a very sound process. Mm-hmm. Nobody sees that. They only see the end end result. And then they, and then they judge yes. on the yes. end result. Yeah. Um, and even Jeff Bezos um, just recently kind of came out and he said, I think it was like 11 or 10 or 11 things 11. that 11 things that entrepreneurs can learn from Jeff Bezos after he leaves CEOs, Amazon. Mm-hmm. And essentially those were kind of principles. Oh yeah. If you actually read them, they were just guide. They were, you could have called them principles. It's just the article didn't pick it up as that. But I kind of look at those and I read those. I was like, these are just principles that he used for decision-making. Right. And right. Yes. Leading his organization. Okay. So people, um, are making decisions. They have kind of this manifesto, if they will, they have principles. Why don't you define for us, Hallie, what principles are and what a manifesto is? Yeah. So principles are a fundamental truth or proposition that serves as the foundation for a system of belief or behavior or for a chain of reasoning. One more time. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot of words. Um, A fundamental principles are a fundamental truth or proposition that serves as the foundation for a system of belief or behavior or for a chain of reasoning. To me, that just means it's, you know, you write down what your truths are. Yes. That are the foundation for your systems, for your beliefs, behavior, and how you, and your reasoning, which is how you make decisions. Yes. And it all comes from then the end result comes from how you see the world based on your principles. Right. Mm -hmm. So a manifesto. Yeah. So a manifesto in in short, a manifesto is just a writing down your principles. That's how I like to describe it. But, um, it's also defined as a written statement declaring publicly the intentions, motives, or views of its issuer. Yeah. So do people write their principles down and then they share them in a manifesto? Yeah. I think that's in simple terms. That's that's what it is. I also kind of look at this as I wouldn't get caught up in either of these definitions. I would just get caught up on just saying, Hey, I need to, I'm going to, we're going to give you a couple examples um, of a bailed manifesto of principles for Ray Dalio. And then our principles that, that I've developed. And then, um, so you can kind of start somewhere from there. I think that's the Mm -hmm. key thing is just, um, just figuring out. And if you, if you're, if you're not sure where to start, I think one of the things is as you're kind of listening here, just start to think about how you make decisions. That's really what I want people to start thinking of. It's like, where do your decision-making process begin? And just going, what drives that decision, which then drives the action, which then drives the result. Which is often, I think, and even I'm thinking about all of of our leaders who were responding to that. Sometimes they're also just, I mean, essentially they're driving their decision, but they're like their core beliefs. Yeah. What What do they truly believe? Yeah. And then, of course, is then driving their decision. Yes, but exactly. that's just a different way of saying it. Yeah. And so, again, you just start writing down. Like, it can be simple things. You don't, remember, you don't have to, you can write them down and then rewrite them. Mm-hmm. When I did, I was spent about three hours kind of going back and forth, deleting words. That didn't really make sense, kind of combining things in there. And so, really, what it is, just starting to write down something that is simple as possible. Like, it could be that I believe in getting up early in the morning, right? I mean, mm-hmm. starting somewhere. Right. So, you don't have to have, they don't have to be, like, perfectly magical words, right? They're not, like, they don't have to be like in a poem, right? Mm -hmm. You just start getting down words that make sense for you. Then you can share them. So, yeah, well, and I was going to say some, I think Ray, I mean, Ray Dalio's can apply to business and to life. I think most of them can, but some are more specific to the workplace. Yes. And I do think that you can have a different set of principles um, for work or for your family. Can you? Yeah, so you would disagree. Um, I think... I think it depends on how you approach it, right? Like if you, I was sharing, 
my principles for work, would I include every single one that maybe I live in my personal life and like at home? Well, maybe, maybe not. Well, I'm just curious because that's a good question though, because if you think about it, you, the principle, the outcome is different in work, but is the outcome different in your, in your personal life? But the decision around that still is underlying. It's one source that makes the decision. It just, it looks different in your personal life and it looks different in a business. Yeah, I would, I would, yeah, I, I don't know. Like I'm thinking of the Trevor McKendrick. Yep manifesto the his principles that he wrote they're very to me they're very centered around this very specific well, why concept. Don't you walk walk them walk them through us and we can see if there's yeah, so actually I think this was his 2021 yeah. manifesto and he kind of picked a theme for the year which was all about build yeah. um, and building and again to me that is a little bit more work focused rather than you know you don't see anything about health or family in here in these man in this manifesto mm -hmm. for example failure is defined as not shipping yeah what does that even mean? <laughs> well, I mean, it's a failure. I mean, it means that failure is when if you only fail, if you stop. So if you keep going. Okay. And I think that's part of the thing is like that can be used in your personal life and in your business life. Yep. Don't ask for permission. Yeah. So his number one is building always beats talking, which again, I think that goes, yes, you, yeah, can, you can apply that to both. You apply that to both. It's just, yeah. again, it's going to look different. Like you may sure. be building a family, you may be building a tree house for yeah. your kids and we build whatever it is. You're building something. This right? is why I'm having trouble writing my <laughs> principles because I'm so, I feel like there's such a dichotomy, but really they're the same. They're the same. Yes. Yeah, they are. And number two, as you said, failure is, is defined as not shipping basically just means you're not giving up. Um, three, don't ask for permission. I mean, that can go for both lives, mm -hmm. right? I can think about like, if you just as an example in personal life, like if you ever, when you have a child, if you ask somebody's permission or ask somebody's opinion about your child's name <laughs> before you actually do it, <laughs> like I, it's like, you don't ask for permission for somebody's name. Cause if you, if you ask for, Hey, what do you think about this? Everyone's going to say, yeah, well, you know what, you know, uncle Charlie over here was named this and the yeah, baby. And then it, it taints the exactly. <laughs> it was just, it was just kind of a rear tangent, but it's, it goes for business or personal. Just number three, don't ask for permission. Number four, defend the builders, even though you make mistakes. Right. So that's people that are, you know, that you're out there building an organization. Um, you're building a life that could go, you could be building a foundation, right? You just defend the builders, even though they make mistakes because in the public's eye, builders are the people who always get uh, thrown in the um, spectrum of news media and usually in a negative light because that's what sells stories. And so what he's saying there is just defend the people who are doing something to contribute it's to the, the world. It's the people who are in the arena. Right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Number five, give yourself permission to work on things that are harder than you think reasonable. That goes both business and personal. I would say the hardest thing you can ever do in your entire life is to work on yourself personally. Um, but give yourself permission. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I think that's a good one. Number six, take creative risks and try crazy ideas. Okay. Um, number seven, which I, I appreciate 10% aim, 90% shoot. Right. So many people get caught up in aiming, aiming, aiming. I need more research. I need some more research. I need some more research and they aim some more and they try it for a day. Why do you need some more research before I actually do it mm. instead of just pulling the trigger? That's the, the building always beats. Yes, talking. exactly. It's like building always beats research. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Majority of time. More, yeah. 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 Ten percent. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's ten percent aim. So you got to figure that out. And you go, I always just get, I always think about that example that I know it's been a it's a study that was done a while ago where they took like I think like fourth or fifth graders and they had an hour to make a clay pot or some sort of clay object. I think it was a clay pot. And they took a group of MBA students and they basically said, you have an hour and they put them in separate rooms. And the kids that were in like fourth or fifth grade ended up with a much better product because what did they do? 
10 percent aim yeah, I was gonna say, they and just they just started, started building the and, first yeah. one they built was ridiculous they yeah. put it back together build another one put it back together and i think i don't remember the exact number but they ended up doing i don't know 20 different um iterations if you will of the of the clay pot whereas the master students only did one version and it wasn't nearly as good as the fourth and fifth graders mm. it's just such a great example yeah. of that because they sat there and tried to aim for 90 percent of the time and tried to build for 10 and so a lot of times in business, we can, we can get stuck on trying to think we need all these things in place because but here's this little secret about all this, not even a secret. <laughs> you can do all the research in the world until you get like punched in the face <laughs> in business. Right. I mean, I'm serious. Yeah. Like yeah. you do all the research, you lay it all down. You have all, I mean, I graduated the biz, with a business school degree and all of a sudden you get in the world and you go, this is nothing like the research. They didn't tell me about all this I have to deal with. And so that's what you just have to learn how to deal with that, which is again, that foot on that gas pedal when you're going through there. Number five, number eight, grant status to creators. Again, instead of, you know, status to, you know, I think he was, I think he defined this as like, we're getting grant status to a lot of people who, you know, like Hollywood, um, and, and, and which is great that I'm not saying anything that's wrong with that at all. But like we, we have these celebrities that are in movies. Um, but really this is just, you know, people that are creators in their own right. We should grant status to all of them. And that includes people that are in acting, right? Cause mm-hmm. they can create stuff and create movies and create an, an enjoyment, but we, we laud them. But when it comes to business, we don't actually, um, grant status to people, that are building that are out there actually doing that because we find something that's wrong with their company or something that's wrong with this. I see this a lot in the construction and building world. Mm-hmm. It's like politicians are yelling at me that we need more housing. It's affordable. And then on, on the left side and the right side, they're not left and right politically, politically like yeah. the left side of their mouth. They're saying we need more housing. And the right side of their mouth. They're saying no housing in Vermont. Right. And so yeah. it's like, we're a constant battle. You can't win. Kind of reminds me of my three um, women that are in my life personally. <laughs> it's hilarious. The other day, I literally was, um, I, my two daughters wanted me to go outside and play. So I went outside and played and um, Sienna was like, Hey, can you come ride your bike? And Maddie's like, Hey, can you ride the scooter with me over here? So I 20 minutes with Sienna and then it's 10 minutes over there. And then I was all of a sudden playing with Maddie for five minutes too long. And Sienna's crying. And I tried to go play with Sienna and then my Maddie's crying. They both go inside and Sarah comes up to me. like, how come you're not playing with the kids? And I'm like, I can't win with any of you. (laughs) I'm literally trying as hard as I can to do everything with everybody here. And I can't with you. And then I just went and hung out with my son. Cause he just like, let's just hang out that just funny. <laughs> uh, Sarah was laughing about that the other day. Number nine, this week instead of next week, today instead of tomorrow. I mean, what a principle that is, mm-hmm. right? Um, this week instead of next week, today instead of tomorrow. I mean, how easy to say, oh, I'll get to that next week. Yeah, I'll, I'll start this tomorrow. I'll start this tomorrow. Why don't you start today mm-hmm. if it's that important, right? And number 10, say no to the chorus of vetoes. There's going to be a lot of people in your life that say no. Again, that could be personal or that could be business. Just say no to the chorus of vetoes. So that's the build manifesto. What is, why don't you walk us through a little bit of the principles for success by Ray Dalio? Yeah, this is only some of them. So if you yeah. want all of them, you yes. got to go read his book. The book is great, by the um, way. Or go check him out on LinkedIn or even Instagram. He posts, well, I'm sure his team, but maybe it's him. He actually writes all of his LinkedIn yes, articles as, as far as I know. Um, but there's so, he's got great content out there. Um, but some of his principles for success include pain plus reflection equals progress. Mm-hmm. I always love the image. If you, if you, you can see it, it's like, it's like a line that's going up and then it comes back down to create a circle mm-hmm. and he defines it as like, you're going straight up and then all of a sudden the pain happens and the circle starts coming back down. And then the reflection starts to create the bottom arc of the circle and mm-hmm. the progress puts you back up and well, you kind you're of, learning, you're iterating. Exactly. And, and you're going you're, back through. So mm-hmm. you look at it, it's almost like a, 
a line that's going like at a 90 degree angle, then does a circle then come back up then another 90 degree angle. He said, that's your entire life is that you're calling constantly moving forward. But at any point in time, you could be feel like you're going backwards because yes. it's that reflecting the iteration, putting models and systems in place and kind of going back forward with it. Meaningful to meaning. Well, it's not even in any particular order. Meaningful work and meaningful relationships are the greatest assets and the greatest rewards. That applies to both personal and business. Yes, it does. Yeah, I guess I was totally wrong there. <laughs> I mean, it's true though, right? The meaningful yeah. work and meaningful relationships. I would just, what I would say on this is that it's, um, it's not necessarily what you accomplish. It's how you accomplish. Or I like to say is like how I care much more about how I walk through life than what I actually do. And I think that's, that goes in having meaningful relationships there. And I've shared this on the podcast before. There was a, times in my life where I wanted to win so somebody else could lose, particularly in business. Mm. And now I'm much more concerned about, I don't want anybody to lose because I'm winning. And I think that's a big thing. Like you can say you're a win-win, but then actually acting through that doesn't mean you still can be competitive in business. Right. It just means that other people can win too. Yeah. I think <laughs> there's, there's, a, a, there's I, success is a, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, I think success is a, um, not a renewable resource, but like it's a, an abundance. Yeah. It, there's there's, just, an abundance there's enough success to go around yes. for everybody. Yes, yeah. exactly. The other day I was, I was talking to one of our clients and he runs a very, very big organization and um, he's in a different organization than, than Keller Williams. And he was, he was kind of talking, I go, yeah, it's so funny. I don't know why people get so upset at this. I said, between the two organizations, let's just say there's a couple hundred thousand agents between the two. I said, there's 1.5 million. There's still 1.3 million agents that neither one of these organizations have. I'm like, there's mm -hmm. plenty of people out there. Mm -hmm. And we started laughing at it because uh, there is, there's always success. It's not like it's a sports game where you have a finite number of players and only one person can win. That's yes. different, but you know, those rules going in mm -hmm. business is different. It's the, you don't game. need somebody else. Yes. You don't need somebody else to lose so that your business can win exactly at all. But people take a sports approach to this in terms of winning and losing. Mm -hmm. You should take a sports approach in terms of building the best team, Yes. but you should not take an approach that you need to win. So somebody else can lose. I still see that with a lot of people that I'm dealing with in that there's like, I need to win so you can lose and like somehow you feel better about that. But in the end, that doesn't feel good. It just doesn't. You'll end up paying a tax at some point in time. Number three, don't let your ego and blind spot barriers stand in your way. Yeah. What does that mean to you? Well, I mean, it's just not willing to look at the truth within you or not really being willing to be you because your ego or your blind spots in the way. It also means get a coach. Mm -hmm. It also means being open to feedback. I was going to say, to me, it means be open to that. Yes. Because someone else can see those blind spots for yes, you. Yes, they can. Absolutely. Number four. Own your outcomes. It's pretty self-explanatory. Mm -hmm. Just own them. Whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, doesn't matter, but own it. Because what happens when you own it, you actually take progress towards it. Um, own your outcome. And then we say, let go of the outcome. Um, how do those two things work together? Yeah, I would, I always tell people is let go, then fight. You can, the thing is you want to let go of the outcome. And then whatever what, it is, own it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But what you're also letting go is you're letting go of the personal side of you, of that ego, the personal side of the ego wanting to be right. That's what you're letting go of. You're not letting go of the result that you're after. You're letting go of the reason the ego needs that result to happen. And that's what, kind of why he references the ego in there. Don't let your ego be in the way, which means I walk into a meeting and I'm only having a meeting so I can prove to everybody that I'm right. Yeah. <laughs> which is what most people do. They want to admit that to themselves. But a lot of people walk into to meetings and they're arguing instead of contributing, they're arguing to be right. When and you, that's ego. When you go into a meeting, how do you approach the conversation? Well, the first thing that I always do is make sure that I'm clear. 
that I'm actually centered enough to have the conversation. And the minute that I start to feel my energy shift into a defensive position, really when I say shift into a defensive position, meaning I want to be right, Mm -hmm. that's when you have to just let that part go so you can stay neutral, right? Stay in that state of equanimity so that you can actually hear the other person take in their information. And as you take it in, allow that to come in and then act from that information. And typically what happens if you do that appropriately by letting your ego, keeping your ego at the door, if you will, or that lower self of yours, not the need to not be right. If you want it more in kind of our terms instead of ego, ego just means that in this context, it just means that I want to be right. That's why people argue. <laughs> you understand that? Yeah. The only reason why people argue is to be right. Otherwise you wouldn't argue. Period. Sometimes I feel like people argue though to, to win. Yes, but also to be, be, well, yes. And to be understood, to be understood so they can be, I don't know. I mean, so that they can be, uh, to me, it's to be understood so that you can become on a level playing field so that you can understand each side. Yeah. I don't think that's arguing though. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. That's just how I have conversations. Yeah. I think having, (laughs) I think you're spot on by saying people should have conversations so that other people understand them. But if you're arguing with somebody, it means you've already taken a defensive position and you're not willing to be open to being understood or to allowing somebody else to share their opinions about you. Another thought that just came to mind. So when we, this is a total tangent, but when we're in meetings, um, generally the most effective way to have a meeting is to have an agenda set, Mm -hmm. right? Some purpose for meeting, you're looking for some sort of defined, you're trying to solve a problem, right? And so, or make some sort of decision and you have an agenda for whatever that meeting is general, if it's just a status update, meaning maybe it should be in an email, but um, yet at the same time, so you've got in this agenda yet at the same time, you're supposed to not have an agenda, right? For whatever the outcome is. So how well, there are two different things though. Yeah. Having an agenda of items to discuss, to be radically open, to actually create an outcome between the entire group is different than coming in with the intention of what you think the outcome should be. A lot of people want to be right. So they come into the meeting with a defined set of things that need to happen for the meeting to be okay for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, i.e. they should take my opinion and they should adopt it because I'm right. Well, that's just silly. Actually, Ray Dalio talks about this in his book. He says, and I always go back to this and I always teach this to our leaders. If they're in a conversation doing, it. I say he, what he explained it as, and I'm kind of paraphrasing. He said, if you go, if you are, if you go into a meeting, what's the, there's no negative outcome from letting go of the outcome. And so what he says is if you meaning the letting go of you needing to be right, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of what we're driving at here. Cause you go into it and saying, okay, if you bring it to a team and you're wrong, great. You just saved yourself a massive opportunity. You just saved yourself losses mm-hmm. or time or whatever it is. Cause if you went in there and you're thinking you were right the whole time and, and you weren't open to feedback to it and you held on to it, you've now just basically not listened to the team and you were wrong. So it cost your organization money, time and resources. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. And number, number two, if you happen to be right and then you listen to the team, now everyone's going to support you because you're now taking the collective of the organization and bringing that and that made the decision better and yeah. now you've, you've, you've solidified the fact through other people that now you're accurate. And so you can go out there and actually execute on what that is. Number three, what most of the time happens though, is that you're not wrong nor right. You actually go in there and if you're really open to hearing people, mm-hmm. that idea or that execution or that strategy ends up being manipulated by the group, by people sharing and a new strategy or a new execution plan or a new direction forms from that 
then that's what the team executes on. Which is te- generally better than, not always, but generally better than the one that you yes, may have yes, originally yes. come into the meeting with. And if you come yeah. to the meeting and you happen to be like, wow, this is great, the whole team's going to support you. So you, there's not, there's a, there's a net zero gain from trying to be right. The only gain you get is that feeling that you feel inside for that, mm-hmm. that feels good that you were right, yeah. <laughs> which yeah. is just the ego feeling good. It's false, by the way, because then it goes away. Okay. All right. Where are we at? Be radically truthful and radically transparent. I think that goes with what we're just talking about, right? Yeah, absolutely. Number six. Uh, make your work and your passion one and the same and do it with people you want to be with. Yeah. That kind of is self-explanatory. Yeah. And it's also aligning personal and business, by the way. I'm just going to put yes, that out there. Yes. Yes. I know. I know. Are so, you try- trying to be right there? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually trying to unlock you so you can see it. So you can grab into it. Yeah. I, I, I understand that I was wrong. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> Seven. Um, understand people are wired very differently. So it's wise to see things through the eyes of smart people who see things differently from you. Yeah. And that kind of goes with our conversation. The whole point of having people in the room, I explained this to somebody else the other day. I said the whole point, he's like, wow, you know, I came, I actually, what they were saying to me was I went into this meeting with resentment towards this person. And I was kind of feeling like, like they were just trying to, they had this whole like collage of, of thoughts that went against this person. When they actually sat down with them, they realized that they were actually much smarter and right than they thought they were. Mm-hmm. And I said, that's the whole, per- the whole point of having a meeting with other people is to get a different perspective. <laughs> but yeah, people don't do that. It's the simplest thing, but people don't do that. They actually go in there wanting people to support their ideas instead of right. actually going in there to actually hear a different opinion. Yes. I mean, I don't, I mean, it sounds so simple, but if people are truthful, most people aren't doing that. Yeah. They're going in there wanting to be some sort of right instead of actually coming up with the, the solution and really truly listening to people's ideas because everybody sees the world differently. You have to. You've had billions of experiences, Hallie. I've had billions of experiences. There's, while we may be behaviorally aligned, we're not even close to how we've seen our past life as the same. Mm-hmm. So, of course, we're going to bring different perspectives to it. That's the point. Yeah, I was gonna say that's the point, and that's the yes. that's like where all the magic happens yes. is with those different perspectives. Yes, that does just doesn't really happen in business too often, or in personal relationships. Yeah, that by the way is because of ego and the lower self. I know. I think sometimes I I, I want to like disagree with you there, but I think it's because in the world that we're in, that's just not true. I, I don't think yes. it is, and so sometimes I'm like, but really? Yeah, we don't because we're so we're around people who don't have a ton of ego and have worked through many of these things. Yes. Um, so I want to disagree with you, but then I'm like, Oh, maybe there are other people out there who are still. Yeah. And there's still some people in our organization yeah, that sure. kind of and, bring that and up. I, do, yeah. I have those moments too. Yeah, we all do, but yeah. we recognize it faster. And I also go like, is that the same as your personal life too? Because some people go home and want to be right there. Yeah. And I think people should watch both. Number eight. Evolve or die. Hmm. Kind of makes sense there. Well, what does that one mean to you? Well, I mean, organizations have to, you have to always continue to reimagine your organization or somebody else will reimagine it for you and put you out of business. What about personal life? So you have to reimagine yourself to constantly be growing or you just end up dying faster. And the greatest example of this is actually, I've seen grandparents of mine or people that have retired that used to work, non, not nonstop, but just work a lot. Mm-hmm. And then they actually retire. And as soon as they retire, you actually see them like a year later and they look like they've gained five years. Yeah. 
because they just stop having a purpose of something. They're but not it, evolving anymore. Right, I was say, they're not growing. They're not growing. Growing, and, learning, having challenges. And you could yeah. say that your spiritual, spiritual life is why you're here never ends, ever. That's why business is a conduit of personal growth. Life is just a conduit for personal growth. Mm-hmm. So it's just never ending. There's always something to be learning and something to be growing from. But the minute you try to stop evolving, it's like, I'm just going to stop evolving. You will end up, you will end up dying faster. Is it Tony Robbins who said you're either growing or, or you're dying? dying. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's just, that's the alternative in growing. You can put yourself in any situations, but if you try to protect yourself from the growth that's happening, you end up actually going backwards. Progressing, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Last one. Um, you can have virtually anything you want, but not everything you want. So you need to prioritize well. Awesome. You can't know everything, have everything or do everything. You can't even actually do a fraction of them. I, know. I mean, I think there's like 3,200 self-help books that are published every single year, not including how many podcasts come out. I actually even see that because I get a lot of podcast updates and a lot of really good ones come in there and I got to decide which, which one is, I uh, do I really want to listen to? Right. Cause you can't have everything and it really, and you well, can't do everything. And know hours it, exactly. day, where are you going to spend your time? Yes, Yeah. exactly. So now we'll jump into these are the principles that I created that I've been, I put into words, but I've really been living um, my life for really the past couple of years. And it's kind of reflects up to date and you know, these could change, but um, these are the ones that I have so far right now. Number one is just because you can, doesn't mean you should decisions should be based on joy. And by the way, these aren't in any particular order. These are just how we put them down on the slide to kind of make sure we jumped in on them. But I want just because you can doesn't mean you should decisions should be based on joy. So for me, there's two examples of this to give. Number one is in Matthew McConaughey's book, green lights, um, <laughs> where he had just made it in a big role. I think it was the one where he was like, all right, all right, all right. What is that? What movie that's called again? Days remember. and confused. Yes. Oh, days yeah. and confused. With that line. Have you ever watched that movie? Yes, I have. Oh. I used to watch it a lot, but anyways, um, he uh, had that line and he was in his, he was, they put him up in some, he, he made it kind of big. Right. And they put him up in some, <laughs> some house and it had like a nanny and it had like housekeeper, housekeeper and like, yeah, whatever. And he had all these different people that were there taking care of him. And he's having lunch with one of his longtime friends. Who's like very unassuming. And he's telling her all these things that they're doing for him and all this stuff. And he goes, at the end, he goes, yeah, man, they're even pressing my jeans. And he stopped. And she kind of looked at him. She said, well, that's great. If you like your jeans pressed. And he kind of paused for like a few moments. And that was a, an orientation in his life where he was like, I don't like my jeans pressed. Mm -hmm. And that's when he goes on to say is just because you can, doesn't mean you should. And I think this goes also with Mr. Money mustache, who gives a great example of this where I think it also just goes in the, the greed economy that we feel like we're in scarcity mode and people get us to buy things that we don't even need. Right. And so Mr. Money mustache talks a lot about the fact that yes, I could go out and afford people know him. He's a guy who got famous because he basically retired and he was in his late thirties, for, uh, like with $600,000 in the bank that he just saved, they lived less than $30,000 a year for like 10 years and basically saved all their money. Mm-hmm. Then he, and he lived on less than $30,000 a year. In, in an example he gave, he said, um, I base a lot of my decisions on joy than I do on just because I can. And so the example that he always gives is that, uh, sure, I could go out and buy a car and maybe even have a car, but he's, I get much more joy riding my bike to the store mm-hmm. and getting fresh products and supplies that day that I need to cook or for the next two days and then repeating it, whether it's winter, whether it's summer, it doesn't matter. I just get great joy doing that activity. So he said, yes, while I can, doesn't mean I'll get more joy from it. In fact, I'll have less joy if I have a car because I'm not getting exercise. I'm not outside. I'm not feeling like I'm working for it. For him, that's made sense. It doesn't mean everyone needs to go buy a bike and start driving to the grocery store, but it's a really good kind of orientation point for me is that just because you can afford things or you can have things doesn't mean that you should. 
Because a lot of those things that you think you need actually create more stress in your life. Does this, for the, you, does this principle apply to anything other than like money or material things? Um, I don't even know if it could. Yeah, w- I mean, it's would, for, for, any, yeah. for anything. I mean, it's, you could work more. Right, just because you could work more doesn't mean you should. should. Yeah. Does, you could also say, I could spend more time with my kids. And I know that sounds kind of interesting, but like it doesn't mean you, sh- you need to. Mm-hmm. Maybe you don't need to. It goes for every aspect of your life. You just want, the whole key to that is that, are my decisions based on joy? Mm-hmm. And if not, then how do you start iterating your life, right? Changing your life so that your decisions more are based on joy than they are just because I can. I think that really, for me, it kind of goes with, I think it's more material in things, but, or work because you could, I could go work harder and sacrifice other things and get more money, but is that going to give me joy? Right. And I think that's the, that's the kind of orientation in your life. People need to stop. Right. That's why we talk about live, work, play every day. Right. Which Number happens two, to be yes, another one of your principles. Exactly. It yeah. is. It is. Number two, operate with an open heart. Always. There's nothing worth, and we could do an entire episode on this, but there's nothing in life that happens that's worth closing your heart over. And I'll just kind of give a little um, synopsis on this. This is what anything that anything that people are really after, if you actually break it down and you do the real work to look at it, you're actually, you're after some sort of love, joy, enthusiasm, some emotional state, right? Some inner state that's there. That's what you are after. The only reason why somebody wants the stock market to go up is because it turns them on. What does it mean? Turn them on. It grows in there. The only reason why somebody wants some sort of position in their job most of the time is because they want to feel the rush that comes from that. So they're, we're working constantly in this indirect manner of trying to change, rearrange the world, people, places, things, experiences, those type of things to actually open us up to feel some sort of joy inside. Well, for me, why don't you, and this is kind of my orientation in my life, why don't you just start with the fact that everything opens me up? Everything. It doesn't mean you look for it. It doesn't mean you want things that are challenges to show up to happen, but why not have everything open you up? And because if that's really what you're after, then why would anything in life close your heart? Anything. And, does, and close your heart means what? Well, the, when people say my heart dropped, people say like, you know exactly what that means. It's like, well, I, I don't, don't say that very often. Well, but. no, like when people, they can say like, when you say like, when you get into a defensive position with your energy, you start feeling some sort of anger or resentment or irritation or jealousy or anxiousness. Any of those type of feelings are closing. The only reason why you feel that is because you're closing your heart off. Mm-hmm. Okay. So keeping your heart open is that is those higher states, love, joy, enthusiasm, which by the way, we've labeled them because it's a way of communicating what emotion we're feeling. But the only reason why we can communicate so well with our emotions is because we instinctively know what energy feels like. So the energy of love feels different than the energy of jealousy. Mm-hmm. We've labeled them so we could communicate, but they're just labels. We just agree upon a word that is communicating a certain level of, en- of, of energy that we feel. Mm-hmm. So enthusiasm feels different than love, mm-hmm. but you can detect the difference. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So those are the states that you're after and everything that people are doing in their life, virtually everyone's doing is trying to generate some of those emotions to show up. And so for me, it's in my principle is just always keep your heart open. Now, just because you decide that doesn't mean it's just easy. <laughs> it just means that you now have a lot of work to do. <laughs> but if you start with that in mind that you, you're, 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 I'm going to go after the spirit world, I'm a spiritual being than a form world. I'm not going to be a form person. I'm going to, I'm going to honor the form world, but really I know that I'm always going to keep my heart open no matter what, because that's not only is that what you want, you actually solve things faster that way. 
And you, and, and the more you can keep your heart open, you're better than, in every single thing you ever do, sister, husband, brother, family, friends, business, everything you do becomes better when you have an open heart, period. Number three, life is about uncovering yourself. And this just goes into knowing the absolute truth of who you are. And this is a, and I don't mean intellectually knowing that. I mean that really uncovering that self-realization, that self-actualization that Maslow talks about in 1950s is the highest form of human consciousness is the self-actualization, right? And so that's what I mean by this truly uncovering yourself. And the reason why I use the word uncovering is because it's already there. You've just covered it up. So it's just really using business, using life as this conduit to peel the layers back so that you shine exactly who you are, that you already are, that you already exist on. That's why it's uncovering. Number four, the amount of joy you experience from material things, the direct reflection of how much joy you carry inside. And this kind of goes back with the comment that we were talking before. And people, you don't need to be a psychologist or even be spiritual to understand this. How many times have you bought something materially, right? And it turned you on for a little while, a couple hours, a couple days, and then it went away. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. And it's just, it just fades. It's temporarily turns you on and it's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. You should, when something outside opens you up, let it open you up, but don't cling on to it. Cause then we go, we cling on to this and we go, when it starts to go away, we feel like it's scarcity kicks in. We go, it's starting to go away. It's like, you need your next fix. So then you go and get directed in life to go get something else, mm-hmm. another car, another position, more money, something else. You play this game your entire life instead of realizing that's why it says need nothing to everything is one of our principles, but this is kind of what goes with it is that when you are, um, when you are, uh, uh, when you already are filled with joy, then getting a new car is just wonderful, but there's no attachment to it. When you're filled with enthusiasm or strength, I mean, if people think about the times they've been filled with absolute strength and maybe, maybe you're just, maybe the time that you've been head over heels in love with somebody and maybe you get a raise. It's like, it's like, Oh, great. But you don't think about it. It's not even important to you because you're head over heels in love. And so you can live that way every day. And that's how you approach the form world where it's wonderful. Nobody's saying it's not. Like if you honor it, but first the problem is virtually every human being out there is trying to do the opposite. They're trying to use the world to turn them on instead of being turned on and then having fun with the world. It's just, they got it backwards. And so when you truly understand that, that's why we say this, there's nothing in materially that's going to make you feel joy. However, if you already feel joy mm-hmm. and then when you go have those experience, it's going to be awesome. It's still, it's going to be awesome. Eckhart Tolle talks about this. Uh, a lot when he said, I live, yes, he goes, I have an abundance of wealth now, but for many, many years, I lived way below, way below the poverty level. And I was just as happy then as I am now, now. And what money has bought me is space. So I don't have to hear anybody. And that's literally what he said. He goes, that's one thing. One of the coolest things money can buy is space room. I lived in a park bench for years and then a very small apartment for years. And I was on this and I used it as a way to let go and, and grow myself. But he goes, my level of, of happiness was, was abundant and joy. And so he just carried that into his next wave of what's unfolding. This is sometimes where I get a little sure. stuck is if that and most people. is true for him, let's just use him as an example. Cause you were just talking about him. Then why did he feel compelled to go by whatever it was that he space, house, whatever, if he, if it really didn't change anything. Well, that's your mind trying to justify that, but you're, you're, that's a wonderful question. No, it is. It's a wonderful question. And it's on probably most people's mind. 
because he wasn't doing it to try to make him better. That's why. What's the drive? Just enjoy it. it. There's no drive. Yeah. It's just you have it. It's not a drive. There's a drive from the ego to do something. And then there's the drive from enthusiasm because it's just a wonderful opportunity. It happens to open up for you. Well, I guess that's what almost what I mean by yeah. When Michael Michael drive, Singer, why he decide to do that? Yeah, I mean, it's it wasn't like he needed it though. That's that's the whole point of this is that fine line of if you need the house to feel good, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Okay. If you're just having the house because you can have the house because it's wonderful, wonderful. Here's a smaller example. But then just because you can doesn't mean you should. Exactly, you got to base it on the decision for joy, right? Like so, like maybe for you or Ray Dalio is a great example. He has the ability to have as many, any house that he wants to. Mm-hmm. He chooses not to. He's like, it's not going to bring me any more joy. Right. So he doesn't have another house. He stayed in the same house that he's had forever. Right. But it, there's some people who are who say, love. I want. I'm going to get joy by buying this lake house. You know, a lot of people hate and despise the building process. I love real estate. I love the creation. I explain to me, building houses is like somebody painting a piece of art. Mm-hmm. It's just a piece of art for me. Right. And it's yeah. why I has no, I've had no attachment to any of my houses either because I could let them go Yeah. because I don't need them to feel anything, but yet I love creating them. Mm-hmm. They're wonderful. Not everyone likes those things. It's like, I use the example of like, I could go buy any boat that exists on the market right now. Let's say it's like a yacht or something. Right. But like, you know, any, could you go buy that yacht yeah. that has like the, a helicopter? The thing is yeah. like that does, that does not, it, it became, it came too stressful for me in our family. When you did go buy when a we boat. Go buy a boat. Yeah. I mean, I paid cash. I bought a $30,000 boat, right? It was a nice boat, but it wasn't wonderful. And we used it for summer and then we go back and it's just created too much stress with our three kids. And, and, and sure, we, we, we didn't necessarily allow the stress to kind of beat us up. But we're like, we're not getting joy. You know what we get more joy? And we said, what, like, why don't we just join the club that we have a pool that's two minutes down the road. And we had a lot more joy doing that. Okay. So this is, again, that's a great example because then I think, but if you are fine with everything, then wouldn't you have just kept the boat and had fun on it? It doesn't mean you still can't make decisions. I know. I know that it doesn't, but you know what I'm getting at. Like, yeah, you're trying to use your mind, though, to justify it. And in the, in the mind, the ego only comes from scarcity. So it needs things for it to survive. So, and when you, so when you give something up, you're actually coming from that place instead of actually coming from letting that go and just enjoying what comes your way. Right. So that's kind of what I'm saying yeah. is that, okay, so why didn't you guys just enjoy the boat? We, we enjoyed it while we had it. It just, okay. we didn't need it. And it was actually when we asked the question, just cause we can have a boat, do we really want to have a boat? And the answer was no. And then we didn't have some gigantic plan. It wasn't like we need a bigger boat with somebody to captain it. Right. That would be like more of that. Right. <laughs> it was just like, yeah. we didn't need a boat and we let go of the boat. And then later on we're like, Oh yeah, maybe we for $500 a year, we should just join this pool club. And it was much cheaper and much easier. And we enjoyed that. If we go back to having a boy boat, we'd enjoy that. It doesn't mean you don't enjoy it while you're doing it. Mm-hmm. It just means that if something is just because you can, doesn't mean you should. So like you, you always want to be using that as a guiding principle for your life and making sure that it's not being driven out of ego and it's being driven out of the higher states of joy or enthusiasm. You still don't look satisfied with that answer. Well, also I was just thinking these are your principles. These aren't other people's principles. Yes. That's yeah. true too. Yeah. I was just, just saying, because you just said you should do this as a principle. And I was thinking, well, everyone's principles are different. Well, you don't like that period. That what? You don't like when people tell you what to do. Well, that is true. That is a principle that yeah. I live by. <laughs> there so. you go. You should actually have that one now, but it's, that's it's not a principle. Yeah. Though. But these are just mine that yes. I live by. Right. That's, yeah. that's there. Well, I just, yeah. You just said that you, everyone should. Everyone should by, what? I don't know. You said something along the lines of everyone should live by. And then 
that of course is a trigger for me. And I'm like, yeah. no, everyone has different principles that they live by. Yes. I these guess are, the these are yours. I guess the better way of saying it, this is that you're hearing my self-talk yes. kind of repeat itself. It yeah. doesn't mean you have to be, anybody have to buy it. The reality is, is whether you believe these principles or don't believe these principles are right. irrelevant. I mean, and also because Trevor's were very different exactly. than Ray's that are different yeah. than yours that I even think like the 10 commandments to a certain degree yes. is, a, is a set of principles. Yes. Jeff Bezos is 11, a leadership. Yeah principles were his. Yes. Everyone has a slightly different take on it. Yes, exactly. Okay. Um, number five, need nothing and enjoy everything. Kind of goes with everything we're talking about, right? It's literally, you don't really, and this is, this is a tough one for people. I promise you at some point, if you do the work though, not, not you, Hallie necessarily, but if, for anybody that's listening, when you do the really work, cause I can't tell you how many people that I've spoken with or get emails from or text messages from that have said, I've been listening to you for like a year and the, like 50% of what you said, I, I was like, I don't know what this guy's talking about. And then, then I'm like, I finally get it. And I love yeah. those kind of breakthrough moments that people have. It's not me that they're getting, they're getting the truth in themselves. That's what they're getting. It's not, I didn't do anything except for point you in a direction. That's what all books do. That's what all videos do. That's what all training does. Mm -hmm. You have to experience it. I could bring an orange to you. I could tell you about an orange, but in order for you to know it, you have to taste it. Mm -hmm. I can't taste it for somebody. You can't drink water and give somebody else quenching their thirst, <laughs> right? You can show them how to do it. So that's anybody that's teaching anything should never come from a, from a place of I'm greater or I'm better because all you're doing is pointing people in the direction. Mm -hmm. and or like, this is how you should live your yeah, life. Yeah, it's not how you you're yeah. pointing people in the direction and it's irrelevant whether you agree or disagree. My whole comp, the, everything that we do in this podcast is designed to get people to ask better questions in their life. Yeah. I said this to you in an email that I like to think of myself as a thought provoker. Yes. I don't want to give people answers necessarily. Yeah. Um, I can always speak from my own experience. You can always speak from your own experience, but if we can get people to, um, to have a different perspective or to ask, start asking themselves questions, I think that is the beauty of all of this. Yes. That's wonderful. Number six, be authentic and true to yourself. And this kind of just goes with the truth, right? Just really being you. And also, instead of just saying it being you, I don't mean like this is, I, I see this in today's world a little bit where it's like, I'm being me. So it gives me this badge to kind of be an asshole. That's not what I mean about being true to you. It's like, this is my truth. Like they're holding it like it's this. That's a defensive position. What I mean by being true and authentic, it just means that you're actually orienting yourself to discover what is true to you and what is authentic to you because most people don't actually know what they know to be true is that what the mind is telling them. If people just listen, that's all they're listening to right now is what the mind is telling them to do. And they go out and they follow that. That's why people need to wake up, right? That's the whole awakening purposes. So finding that truth and being authentic is just is orienting yourself to what is true. But how do you know what's true? Well, what, the one place you can start, right? The one place you, the only way you know truth is to know. I know. Is it? <laughs> I know we've talked about yeah. that before. But it's I only, don't like the, love that answer, I know, but I get, yeah. That's the only way to know it. Yeah. How do you know what an orange tastes like? Yeah. The only way to do it is actually know it. That's why none of this works unless you actually do the work. So um, we talk about behavior a lot, of course, when we're, when we're hiring. And to a certain degree, I, I do subscribe to the belief that our natural behavioral style is a part of who, that, who we are. And that is if we... Behavior is part of personality. Absolutely. Yeah. And to me, that is being yourself. Is that true? Yeah. Yes. To a, to an okay. extent. It's almost, a, it, you're absolutely right. It is true. It's a relative truth. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> because I, uh, it's not, your personality is not who you really are. It's how you're acting in life right now. But behavior is different than personality. Well, they kind of go together, right? They can be mixed together. Behavior is, is yes. The, in definition, if you want to play those two things, they're kind of separate. I like to always yeah. do that. Yeah. But the thing is behavior yeah. and personality, a personality is how somebody behaves, right? So personality drives behavior. Behavior sure. drives personality. Yeah. So I they're kind of personality. I don't know. I don't have the definitions in front of me. I think personality can uh, shift a little bit more and behavior to me is a little bit more of like core traits. Yeah. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. Yes. And I guess the better way of looking at it is personality and behavior are traits of the psyche of the, of the personal self of like that psyche, right? You have like this, this, this psyche part of the human part, but it's not you because you're still experiencing a behavior. You're still experiencing your personality. If you were personality, if you were behavior, you, there'd be a subject subject relationship. There's still a subject object relationship here because you're experiencing a person right? You are watching a person witness a person. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I think I'm getting a little lost yes, there. No, I get but. it. But it's, it's, um, when, so when we, when we think about be authentic and true to yourself, really what I, what I all what reminds me of this is that I'm always asking the question, what is truth? And, and what I, I'll give you an example of this. If I go in and I have a belief, I ask myself, is this belief really true? In 99% of the time, it's not. Mm-hmm. It's just a belief. Right. And so that's how you uncover. Those are the steps to uncover what the Can knowing you give an is. an example of that? Uh, yeah. Anything that comes to mind. It's like, um, you know, I believe that, you know, give an example. It's like the, I believe the world is round. Right. Mm-hmm. And you could ask yourself, there's a relative truth to that. And there's an absolute truth to that. The relative, if you're in Kansas and you look outside, it looks like the world is flat. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you can ask yourself a deeper truth. That's a belief that you have. Can you backed up by science? And in that particular case, the world is round, by the way. But what about a belief? Like, let's say here, let's use one of your principles, which is essentially a belief, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Life is your greatest teacher. Okay. That's one of your principles. That's one of your beliefs. It's knowing. And then you ask yourself, how do I know if that's true? Well, That's not a belief to me. Okay. What is that? That's a knowing. What's the difference? Well, belief is something that's imagined. Knowing is something that you know. Like, give you an example. But aren't principles a set of beliefs? Mm, they can be. I believe principles are a set of knowing. That's how I define them in my life. And it's like, it's like the same thing with the orange. You can have a belief about what an orange tastes like. Or you have a, an idea or a belief about how somebody should behave. But is that really true? And it's, once you know it, there's a... It's what you know. Like there's the truth doesn't need to back up truth. When you know, how long do, you, do people walk around saying, I know what an apple tastes like? Because everyone is, you just assume people know what an apple tastes like. So the truth doesn't have to be discussed. Mm-hmm. The arguments and decisions come about because when, when um, not everyone knows and there's oh. beliefs involved. Okay. So life is your greatest teacher. What is that? It's a knowing. From who? From me. Right. But that's different than not everyone believes that or knows that. You don't, you, you don't believe it because you don't know it. So are you saying that your beliefs are the absolute truth? It's not a belief. That's a knowing. <laughs> so everyone only will know if they also agree with you on this. I don't know if it's, a, I don't want you to agree with me or disagree. Yeah, but you know what I'm trying to ask, which is. Uh, there's not, there's, it's irrelevant whether you agree or disagree. Once mm-hmm. you know, you know. 
But how, it's like, how do you explain? But your, isn't your knowing different than my knowing? No, it's not. That's You're, the absolute truth. Once you reach so a certain point. someone is right and someone is wrong. No, there's no right or wrong. It's just different knowing levels. It's true. I mean, keep going. You're doing great. <laughs> well, I'm just, okay. But what if I don't believe that life is our greatest because teacher? Because you're believing it. You're not knowing it. You're still in your mind. Yes. I, okay. Because you're still going to your mind to try to find your solution, which is not knowing. Mind is made up because you put energy on it. When you know something, you know it. Yeah. But what I, do I'm, you go to your mind to tell you what an orange tastes like, or you just know it? Do you know what the sun tastes like when you look, or it tastes like when <laughs> no, you, I don't. when you look at the sun, <laughs> yeah. you just know it's a sun. You don't go to your mind and say, tell me why that's a sun. You just know that it is. Right. Because I learned it. And you know it. Right. Because I, I, I learned it. And then I also subscribe to that belief. It, that, that what there's what's belief about well, the sun. You know what I mean? Like somebody could call that. What if, what if growing up, I learned that the thing that we call a sun is the moon. Well, this is a great example because the sun as a word is just a belief, but you know what the sun is. You know what clouds are. We've, we've, you can yes. call it a different name. Sure. You can dress it up differently. Yeah. But there's the knowing goes beyond and transcends that part of you. It transcends the, the intellectual mind that people try to grab onto. Yeah. That's I guess how they try to define life because it's like, it's like beliefs are the menu. When you read about a, a particular meal on a menu, you have a belief of how it's going to taste. Yes. Once you taste it, you know it. Yeah, I guess. You no longer have to subscribe to the belief. Yeah, where I'm, I'm getting hung up is that you're, from what I'm hearing, is that you are saying all, everything is, everyone should believe the same and have the same knowing. If you get to that place, it's like only one thing is ever true. There's one absolute truth, which is knowing. I know. And where I, I'm like, how that's can, not, that's not just me saying, I mean, that's masters upon masters. But upon how masters. can that be true if people have different ideas You're, of how to approach the world and, the, and ways of living? Those are all beliefs and how you act in life is not, is not, is, is how you acting through it. It's not knowing like you, like you, you don't, cause you know, there's a tree there. We call it a tree, but you know what it is. It doesn't change how you're acting. There's ways you can act in life, but okay. knowing is a deeper truth. You know it. It's like yeah, when people, but, that, but then why are you telling us what we have to I'm know? I'm not telling anybody anything. Well, I know, but you, you're saying, well, life is All your greatest teacher. You it, should know that. I didn't say you should know that. I said you should experience that, which gives you the knowing. And once you know it, you will know well, the what truth. What if somebody said, but then we also say death is your greatest teacher. It is. Um, and then God is your greatest teacher or my mom All is my greatest it. teacher. Yeah. So who's, who's, where's the knowing? Well, isn't death, mom, God, all of those life? Depends on who you ask. That's not part of life. Death is not part of life. <laughs> it is Your a, mom's not part of life. It is a part of life, but yes. is it? So it encompasses life. Okay. All of those encompass life. And once you understand So that, what's the, well, I'm just going to go way back to what are the point of writing principles then? <laughs> because they help guide your life in different ways of you act it. But remember, knowing is different than acting. Once you know something, it doesn't mean you have, you, you, act, you act differently act from, from the it. knowing. Yes, you will. And that helps you, for, helps you get a different set of principles or manifesto or different orientation of your life. Keep going. I like it. I don't think I have anything, any, anything okay. else at the moment, but I'm just like, then why are all, why do people, or we, why are we even talking about writing principles? If there's only one truth, we just say, live that truth. We're not telling anybody to live anything. Remember that you want, you're, you're still looking for opposition. 
you're still using your mind to try to understand this. How, how else no, would we understand pickles you can't, principles? Well, no, hold on. You're trying to use your, well, we'll get to the principles in a second. Let's put it aside. Okay. You're trying to use your mind to understand knowing. You can't. You can describe it. Okay. Yeah. You can't know it. Yes, I believe, I believe that. And that's why, <laughs> that, that, that was yeah. the whole point of the question yeah. that you asked was about knowing versus beliefs. Beliefs are just something that are created within the mind. A knowing is something that you know. You can't describe it. There's no words that I could sit here and describe to you that's actually going to get you to agree with me or disagree with me. So, but you also are saying life is your greatest teacher is you, is a knowing for you. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying it's a belief. For you? No, I'm just asking, is that? It's not a belief. Then are these your principles or are these Adam's knowings? The knowing. I, right? I mean, I am. I'm just. Yeah. The, the knowing in itself is different than any beliefs. Just is. So, do you live your life by principles, or do you live your life by knowing? Whatever you want to call them, you can. The word is irrelevant when you know the absolute truth. But it's not irrelevant because we're talking about belief versus knowing versus principles. Mm-hmm. Well, a belief is something different. A belief is something that you imagine, right? Same with a principle. Yes, it can be. It can be. Cannot be. Here's what I would tell anybody to do that are listening to this, including you. No, seriously, yeah. just go, whatever drives you and motivates you, just go watch how that makes you feel. Mm-hmm. Just go experience it. No matter where you are, all I want you to do is just, if you feel a desire to go get something, go get it. And then just pay attention to how you feel. If you have a desire to go live a certain belief or, or subscribe to a certain, you know, ideology, go do it for a while and see how it feels. That's all I want you to do. Because through all of this, you'll understand different level of knowing. And when you actually understand that level of knowing, you'll see things differently. Not you particularly, Hallie. I'm just saying the mm-hmm. audience is listening. So all you do, because there's no words that are going to describe knowing. This is impossible. Or describe consciousness. It's not going to happen. You have to know it. You have to touch it. But you get one second of knowing it, it's over. It's over. It's how people can say, I know for certain mm-hmm. that I don't die. So you can have that same argument with them. That's your belief. That's your belief. And they go, no, it's not. It's a knowing. It's a knowing. Even Oprah talked about this with Eckhart Tolle when she said, are you afraid of dying? And Eckhart said, not at all. And she's like, I've never had somebody with such confidence know that it's knowing. It's not a belief for him because he knows. And I'll tell you, you can understand there's a difference, but no words are ever going to convince somebody of that. That's why you and I could go round and round here. Yeah. And there's no convincing of me to you on anything you don't want to be convinced of with the mind. The only way that you will truly understand any of this is to actually experience and know it. That's the truth for anything. It's all knowing. Okay. Let's that move great. on. That was, that was great. That was personal. I got to go look up some words after this. Podcast. Well, it's not defining because those are a set of beliefs, but yes, it, 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 it's fine. You should go do that. Anyways, whatever, yeah. whatever drives people go down those paths. And all I want you to do is pay attention to how those make you feel. If they are the Shakti energy pot that turn you on and keep you long forever, then keep going down that path. If they fade away. And that's the being authentic and. Yeah. Well, it's just, yeah. I mean, if it's being authentic means that you just orient yourself differently and you're asking yourself if what I believe is true. Mm -hmm. Like you could even turn this around a second and we'll move on from this, but asking yourself, is what you're saying actually a belief or is it true? 
And you don't have to answer it, but yeah. you can just leave it in there. It's like you're, you've created an argument in there, in your head, and you're believing what's happening in there instead of actually trying to experience it and actually know it. Okay. <laughs> I'll put a pin in that one. Yeah. <laughs> all right, number seven, ask big questions, ones that uh, only you can answer. And this is, again, goes to help or all of these things. I said this in the beginning of the podcast, and I'll say it again. It doesn't, it's irrelevant whether you subscribe to my principles or not. The whole point of this is to orient people to ask deeper questions, which then in turns gets people on a different path, which gets them more knowing. And as they have more knowing, the more truth will actually show itself. It's why if you read any, any book that I believe that is if people that are true yogis, which are inwardly content, which is what I believe everyone's after, which is, is I can walk through this world without being disturbed inward contentment. That's a true yogi, right? That's what mm -hmm. the definition actually is. And so how they get there, right, is by surrendering to life and knowing, right? So anyways, and you start though, you ask these big questions in your life that orient yourself differently. That's what, and only you can answer. Like what is truth? What is truth? It's a wonderful question. And I'm not looking to you because if you go into describe that with somebody of trying to be right in, in any conversation, then you're just going to be holding on to a belief about why you're right. This is the word. Okay. Can I ask one more question sure. yeah, go ahead. about truth? So you believe or know whatever word you want to use there, that there is one truth when mm -hmm. we talk about truth. And I still am a few levels down from you. And I think there's your, you have a, your truth. And then I have my truth. And you say there's only one truth. It's is not my, it's not my truth. It's just a universal truth. It's the absolute truth. But that to me, that is your truth. Okay. That, that, you know what I mean? Like, sure, yeah. and I have my truth that might, I don't know what it is, right? I'm still trying to figure that out, but I may interpret things differently or have a different set of beliefs or knowing or whatever, but you are saying that there is just one of all of that. There's one absolute truth that every teaching going back to thousands of years point to the same thing. If you read and believe those teachings. It's not a belief. It's knowing. That's why I'm saying belief doesn't matter. I'm not, I don't believe anything when I say that. It's not a belief. It's a knowing. Right, but you've chosen to read those things. You've chosen to- I've read them, yes. You've chosen to- But reading is the menu. I've actually experienced them. That's the difference. Right, by, by diving into that world and starting to explore it. By going very, very deep. Yes, but I'm just saying work. some people might never, never explore that world. And so that means they'll sure, never- not they'll, this life They'll never be part of an app. They'll never have truth. Well- the truth is always there. You've just covered it up. The truth is always you. I think I'm still focused too much on like the individual and you're more in, in the collective. Yeah. Is that true? Yes. Maybe? Yes. yes. Okay. You're still just in the mind because you're incredibly intelligent. Well, I also am very individualistic. Yes. I don't know how to say it other than that, but like, yeah. I'm like, well, that person it are, that's them and that person is them and they can believe and do what they, I'm very much of yeah. that sort of mindset. Yeah. Like they can do believe whatever they want. Yeah. Well, believe is absolute truth. You can believe whatever you want. Right. So some people may not believe that there's one absolute truth. Sure. Then they shouldn't believe that. Yeah. I would just say is if you, that's your belief, then just try it on. Right. Just really explore that. Right. And, and see you, where it leads you. Do you explore that there isn't one absolute sure. truth? Well, that was how I lived most of my life. Mm. Okay, fair enough. And then when I realized that just didn't work, it pointed you me differently. Tried something differently. Different, yeah. Okay. Okay. I feel, I feel better about where we're at. 
Perfect. I'm glad you do. <laughs> Number eight, life is your greatest teacher. We talked about that mm-hmm. at length. Yes. <laughs> Nine, there are no problems in life, only challenges that keep us growing. And this is another one. Maybe we'll go deep on this for a second. Well, I was going to say that one, I... I agree with you on that one. <laughs> Perfect. And again, it's irrelevant whether you agree or disagree. The conversation is what it is. What it is. All of these conversations that Hallie and I are having here are designed to get you to change an orientation, change it, but just ask yourself deeper questions, sure, which yeah. will then lead you to the truth. That's why like on, you know, the Greeks had know thyself as like breadcrumbs everywhere. Anyways. I'm pretty sure that was from the... No, it's from the Greeks. Oh, I thought it was the Bible. It was the Greeks. It was written in the Bible, but it's, yeah. they had it on they had it on like every scribe that they walked into as like a breadcrumb your entire life. Know thyself, which is knowing the truth. Mm. <laughs> Do you notice it says it doesn't say believe in yourself? It says <laughs> know thyself. <laughs> there is a massive difference to knowing and believing. In believing, interpreting all of that is all derived from the mind. Knowing is not a belief; it's a knowing. Can we just use an example here that pops in my head? Sure. Uh, many times children believe in Santa. Mm-hmm. They also know. No, they don't. At their core that there's a Santa. No, they don't. Until they're proven wrong. They don't know that. They believe in it. That's the difference. If you asked a child, I'm sure they would know that there was a Santa. They, they were convicted that there is one. I'm not going to battle you back and forth on that one. Do you know what I'm saying? I understand what you want me to say back to you. You understand where I'm going, but then I don't understand what the difference is then. (laughs) Somebody can believe how something feels or believe in a concept Mm -hmm. and wholeheartedly believe it. But that's not you believing it. That is your mind believing it. You are not your mind. Yeah, I know that. But whatever, when you say, I wholeheartedly know this for certain, mm-hmm. that's your mind believing itself. That's so not, we're not supposed to know, do that, that. You can do whatever you want. I know, but that is not for the sake of this conversation. Truth and knowing escapes and transcends the mind where the mind cannot go in transcendence, which is why it holds you down. Okay. No, it can't. Like the, the mind itself, the mind itself will convince you that it's 100% accurate. And you think you know it, but that's like you thinking that the menu is the real thing. I, I so yes, but in my example, how, how would a child know differently between a belief and a knowing? They, would, they know. Well, they've, well, they know based on the mind. They don't know the truth. It's a relative knowing. It's a relative knowing. That's not the absolute truth, though. What I'm referring to, what I'm going, is the absolute truth of this. There's a whole bunch of relative knowings. But the only reason why a child believes in Santa is because their mind, they've been cultured to do it, and then they Mm -hmm. create the image in their mind, and they think they know. How many things have you thought you knew and then turned out to be wrong? A lot. I'm realizing this entire conversation. No, but like, I'm serious (laughs) though. In your life though, how many things you thought you knew? Sure. Yes. So that's many. Yeah. That, so that's not really knowing you've convinced yourself that that's knowing, but that knowing is just a belief of your knowing. It's not the absolute truth of knowing. Can then, can you give me an example of what an absolute truth knowing would? Well, I've given you a couple. You're just looking for something different to help you out. It's like knowing what an apple tastes like. Knowing what orange looks like okay. or knowing what the sun feels like. 
You know it. Because you've experienced it over and over. You're knowing what the wind feels like. If you've never felt wind, you could so you convince yourself that you know what no. Yes. Experience is the so if a child That's had why life actually is your seen a real Santa, Santa really if they really experienced that and if it was in fact true, then that would be annoying. In that example. Yes. Potentially. Okay. Yeah. Well, because these images, that's not even a, an absolute truth, though. Because that's just... That's I know, just, I'm just saying, in the fantasy world, yeah, if that... Fan, it, but it, because if because that existed. comes and goes. That, right. that in itself comes and goes. Those are all just... They, they're here, then they're not here. Those are all these fictitious, fictional characters that we've created. Well, I know, but I was just using yeah. that as an, as because an example. Because the, the difference is, like, the, the ego or the lower self will convince yourself that it knows something. The, the knowing of you, who you really are, and that knowing is not linked to that knowing. So we call it knowing from the ego's perspective, but it's really just a relative knowing. But that's it's relative I'm... based on the level of consciousness that you're playing at. Yeah. So I know you're giving me examples like in the physical world, oranges, apples, food, like whatever. Love. How do you know what love feels yeah, like? I wanted, yeah, I wanted some sort of. So tell me what love feels like. Um, yeah. Tell me what anger feels like. You know what anger feels like. That's why I went into the emotions earlier. Right. And you could, I could spend a while explaining yes. what it feels like. Sure. And somebody could say, oh, I absolutely know what love feels like. And then you go to somebody and you say, you haven't experienced love yet. And they go, no, I've actually experienced it. Mm-hmm. And you go, you're telling your eighth grader or whatever it is, or eighth through eight year old of saying, no, you actually haven't experienced love yet. You think you have, but you haven't. Well, how do you know? What, what are you saying that they haven't? Maybe they it's have. It's irrelevant in that conversation. I'm just saying people, the mind tries to create a relative knowing. When you know something, like mm-hmm. know what anger feels like, there is no explanation needed. Right. And, and no matter what somebody says, they can never convince you that you haven't actually felt it. Yes. Because you know it. Because you know it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And imagine if you had your entire life operating from that knowing. That's the point. Okay. So no problems, right? No problems in life. There's only challenges. So the only reason why there's a problem in life is because the mind creates it. The mind says, the mind wakes up and says, life needs to be a certain way. And if it's not the way I want it to, that's a problem. Now in business, if you want to use the word problem or challenge, I don't care. As long as, as long as you realize, it's not like you need to worry about what I say, but it's, if you use the word, like I use the word problem, like, Hey, that's a problem in business, but there's no, I don't see it as like, an, it doesn't affect my energy. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole point. Right. It's whatever word we agree on that we want to call it a challenge or whatever is in this case, we typically see problems as something that affecting your negative energy. Whereas we see a challenge, which really doesn't necessarily, oh, it's like, oh, this challenge is almost like there's more excitement around it. That's why those two words are used. Which is so funny because that's almost how you and I define it and how some people define it. But when I'm interviewing people and we go through um, the behavior assessment, sometimes, you know, the the way they, uh, people approach problems shows up. And so when I'm saying it to somebody and they come back and they, uh, honestly, this happens quite a bit and they say, well, I don't know who likes problems. Yes. And I, and all, I want to literally launch into this like 30 minute dissertation about, well, problems are actually, cha- are really challenges or whatever. But it's actually almost funny because pe- some people think that nobody likes problems. And I'm like, well, that's not the world we live in. Yes. We live in this world where we love problems. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Because we're equating them. It was not negative. They're just right. creating like there's, a, look, life is a wave that's unfolding. You're not in a back room pedaling it. Neither is anybody listening to this. It's just unfolding on its own. So there are no problems. It's just unfolding. 
sure feels like it personally. That can be a whole other episode that we do, why it feels personal, but that's not today. There are no problems. So the first thing you can take away from that is if you, if you, if you want to put that into your life is that when you start seeing something come up, you just thank it. Oh, I lost the money on this deal. Thank you. <laughs> that's a challenge. Now figure it, now take action. It's not passivity. Mm-hmm. It just means that you let go of the personal, then you just go after what you need to do from there, right? Learn, work, and play every day. Um, this is, again, like a, if you will, I don't think people need to live in boxes their entire life. Like they work, they learn for a long period of time, they work for a period of time, then someday they're going to play. For me, I just want to wake up every day and learn, work, and play. Sometimes playing with my kids is work. Sometimes playing with my kids is play. Right. Sometimes. And then when it's work, I have to actually do the work to let go of myself as to why it's work. If you really want to know the truth about that. Right. Mm -hmm. So when I think of it like that way, it starts to be a chore for me. And I go, why is playing with my kids a chore right now? And if anybody has kids, you're probably, that's probably happened in your life. And then I let go. And the only reason why I see it's a chore is because my mind's saying I could be doing something different. And you're not being present. I'm not being present. Right. And so then I just relax, accept that, and then let that go. Then I'm back in the present moment with them. Right. And then the, the same thing with just, Uh, playing every day again is just making sure you're doing something and just kind of, um, you know, that could be skiing, that could be exercising, that could be meditation, that could be drawing, it could be any of these things. You're just, you're, 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 you're purposeful on your life, right? Number 11, don't live your life as a means to an end. So be the means. This is a big one because most people in their entire life are sitting there going, I need to get through this day. I need to get through this meeting. I need to get through this podcast. I need to get through this book. I need to get to this chapter. I need to get to this week. I need to get to the bathroom and get back. I need to get through this lunch. I need to get through this next weekend with my parents coming over. I need to get through this phone call with my sister. I need to get through this phone call with my brother. I need to get, it's all of that. Your mind is exhausting. Just listening to you. Well, that's what people do though. Oh, I know. And so what they're doing is you're doing it every second. So you're just, then you're trying to, you're looking forward to getting out of it (laughs) instead Mm -hmm. of, and so that's like everything becomes a means to an end in your life Mm -hmm. until one day you wake up and go, dude, where am I going? Yeah, right. If I just play this means to an end game, I'm going to play a means to an end until I'm no longer here. So why don't you just be the means? And, uh, talk Which about means that. Means that you're just you're in the moment. So you're walking to the bathroom. You're the, you're walking to the bathroom, enjoying walking to the bathroom. You're getting foreclosed on. You're you're accepting the fact that you're getting foreclosed on. You take your action, right? You're just, you're not trying to get through the foreclosure. Mm-hmm. You're just being whatever is there. You're just, you're dealing with it and you're interacting with life instead of fighting anything or trying to project that some future event is going to be different. You're literally being the means instead of seeing life as a means to an end. And just start small with this. I can't, I need to get to school. I need to get to work really fast. Then your, your entire 15 minute car ride is gone. You don't even know what happened. You've been in your mind thinking about what you're gonna do when you get to work. Then you get to work. You think about how you're gonna get to the meeting and then you gotta get to the next meeting. Your whole life plays out like this until one day you wake up and you go, what the hell am I doing? Which is different, because you know where I'm going with this, which is different than planning and preparing Completely the different. day ahead while still being in the present exactly. moment yeah, as you, you're doing it. Using your analytical mind is what it's supposed to be. Planning your day, planning a trip, planning a 135, planning a podcast, all of that is planning, but you're in the moment planning. Mm-hmm. You're not in your head not being in the moment. That's the difference. You're using your mind to interact with the moment in that situation. In the other situation, you're using your mind to escape from the moment. I'm just going to repeat that. The analytical mind, the mind that we use that's in creative computer that's amazing, is using your mind to interact with the moment. When you use your mind in the way as using it as a means to an end, is using your mind to escape from the moment. And that's why hope is not a, a spiritual term. Hope is trying to escape 
from the moment itself. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Um, and then uh, number 12, head down, hard up, right? This is, this is for me, this can, you know, whether it's in business or in life is that you're not, not using your mind or your ego as a way of trying to get something and you're keeping your heart open as much as possible. So your head goes down, meaning that sometimes I also, I have to do the work. I got to do the work personally. I got to do work business wise and you just keep your heart open no matter what. So your head goes down. It's not like you're passive. It's not a lackadaisical thing. It just means that I'm not going to fight reality. I'm going to put my head down and I'm going to do the work that I need to do. I'm not going to try to use it as a means to an end. I'm not going to try to be out of this moment. I'm just going to put my head down and do the work that I need to do. That's either personal, that's spiritual work, that's physical work, or that's business work. The head You're down. keeping your heart up. Yeah, open. Like the head down part to me is the, the doing world. Yes. And then the heart up is the, exactly. is the um, yes. being You're world. going to interact in the doing. Remember, that's all part of what you hear. It, f- play with form. Interact with it. Honor it. That's that kind of head down of just doing the things and then keeping your heart open the whole time that you're doing it. All right. So that was a lot. Thanks for hanging with us today. Um, what I'd love for anybody that's listening to do though, is just jot down a couple of your own, right? And then and share them with us. Share them. I, we, yes, I, we'd love to see I'd them. love to see them because I'm working on my own yes. right now. Awesome. Well, thanks, Allie. Well, thanks for hanging with us today. We wanted to make sure that we, we went deep in some of these reflection marks. So hopefully you can um, create your own principles, your own manifesto, and we'd love for you to tag us. Hallie, where can people tag us? Yeah, if you want to share on any social platform, Instagram, Facebook, um, hashtag principles2021 so we can read your principles and you'll see Adam's up there as well. In the next couple of weeks, we're also going to be dropping a four-week series that's Consciousness at Work. So stay tuned in that. It's free. It's going to be on um, our podcast, but we're going to break down Consciousness at Work and kind of uh, super excited about that. We're working on that content. So stay tuned for that being dropped. <laughs>